We're online 24-7. You're listening to the hottest radio station on the planet. Sign up for the newsletter so you never miss an update. Get inspired every Monday and Friday right here on your favorite inspirational show, Morning Inspirational Radio Show, hosted by Dow Tone, the producer, bringing that gospel flavor, old school, new school, holy hip hop, and don't forget about that Friday praise break. Get inspired through encouraging words, special guests, and the inspirational moment where you, the listener, get a chance to be on air. So tune in Monday and Friday, 9 a.m., 10 o'clock Eastern, Morning Inspirational Radio Show. Log on to Morning Inspirational Radio Show. Please follow us on Facebook and subscribe via iTunes. Uh, can you tell me a little bit how that process went uh, with you all there being able to come home under the CARES Act? Incarcerated Mothers Matter Radio Show. We're online 24-7. You're listening to the hottest school radio station on the planet. Uh, you know, been a while, but um, I know they, you know, offered like the parenting classes and, you know, some other things that, you know, also taught you, you know, how to address different subjects, you know, to the children. Love Talk Radio. Incarcerated Mothers Matter live on Tribe and Family Channel. Hosted by Daphne Patterson. Thank you for tuning in. 515-605-9351 to talk live. Press 1. And now, here is Daphne Patterson. Good evening, everyone. Today is April 7th, 2022, and I welcome you all to the show tonight. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. This is our fifth show. Uh, It's like time is going so fast, and... Uh, we've been getting important information and resources, and it's been just great. Um, actually, today I've had several people uh, call me even interested in being a part of the show. So we have many more guests with many more resources to come. So I hope everyone continues to uh, tune in um, uh, with us. Uh, just a, a couple of announcements. Uh, I wanted to tell you about Second Chance for Real. Second Chance for Real is a group of paralegals uh, that work with um, people who are incarcerated and not incarcerated with different um, things that they need handling um, in the legal system. They are very professional and uh, they're able to get in there and really know the court system and be able to find the qualifications and things that you need to make sure that your emotions can stand strong and independent and get accepted uh, to get your loved ones home. Uh, they act as a liaison between the defendant, witness, and the attorney. 
They do the preparation of documents, motions, case reviews, parole packages, pardon and clemency petitions, paperwork for release from supervised probation and parole. Uh, they analyze issues with post-conviction litigation. They uh, provide legal research. Uh, they also incorporate a, a legal investigator. Um, and also the main thing is to give support to families while they're dealing with the stressful circumstances. So if you have any of these things that you would like to uh, inquire about, uh, you can give us a call at 716-495-6756. That's 1-716-495-6756. Or you can email at D-A-P-H-N-E, the letter P, Five six five T F E at gmail dot com. So that's Daphne P five six five T F E at gmail dot com. All right, so we uh have an awesome uh guest with us tonight. Um she um, and I uh, got to meet um, some years ago, uh, briefly, and we weren't um, we were uh, reunited again a couple of months ago. So uh, it has been just very uh, heartwarming, and we've been able to really, really um, share some things that we figured that would be very good for us to share uh, on the air. Uh, with everyone, and Miss Marva Rice, uh, she actually uh, originated uh, and raised from Philadelphia. Uh, she went to school in the beginning to be a key punch operator, and she graduated from that in 1979, and she graduated um, high school the next year at Philadelphia Academy Private School in 1980. Um, I'm going to let her uh, introduce herself and let us know everything that she wants us to know tonight. Um, her story is one of triumph. It is compelling. It is heartwarming. And it, it's just miraculous overcome other situations that uh, come up on us, and sometimes, you know, life circumstances happen. But when you can take life circumstances and turn them around to positive and to be able to be a servant to help other people, uh, it, it's wonderful. Um, what you go through is minimal for the blessing that you get from it. So without further ado, I introduce you to Miss Marva Lynn Rice. And how are you tonight, Ms. Marva? I'm doing good tonight, Ms. Daphne, and thank you for inviting me on your radio talk show tonight. How are you doing? I am doing awesome tonight. Great, 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 great. I will give a brief summary of me because I'm a pretty, I'm a, I'm one of the ones that's pretty long-winded, 
So I'm not going to be long-winded with this, but I'm just going to give a brief introduction of me. First and foremost, I moved to Georgia, which is Sparta, Georgia, August of 1980, where I have family members all over the state of Georgia, but I had two aunts there. At the time of moving to Georgia, I just didn't pick Georgia out on the map because I guess some of y'all may be saying, oh, okay, she came from Philadelphia to a small town like Sparta. <laughs> a small town like Sparta gave me a lot of great exposure, and I met a lot of great people in the midst of it. At the same time, one thing I always have to say to them, I used to visit my family, my two aunts, Evelyn Osborne, and my aunt that has passed, Ethelene. Bell, when I was a young girl growing up, that was our summer vacation that my aunt from Philadelphia would come down second Sunday in August for church mm. homecoming because my <laughs> mother is originally from Crawfordville, Georgia. So that's how I ended up in Georgia, everyone. But under wow. that August, and I know we all there. remember those August um, uh, homecomings and that week of revival uh, coming up yes. to it. So that's a yes. tradition in the South. It's a tradition. It's a tradition. I was one of the traditions, but I hadn't been to Georgia since the age of 13. So when I came back, I was like 19 years old, finishing key punch operating trade school, because that was real popular back then in Philadelphia, and during my last year of high school and the private school, so forth and so on. I ended up being introduced to the first black judge of the United States, and she has passed and gone on uh, be a year in June, uh, Edith Ingram of Sparta, Georgia. She was once a former teacher. She was the first elected probate judge in 1969 in Hancock County, Sparta, Georgia. Yes, I say it. Wow. Hancock County, Sparta, Georgia. And in August, two weeks after I moved there, I had my cousin, who was a first cousin of mine, Shirley Bryant, that used to work for the Board of Education, she introduced me to Judge Ingram. Judge Ingram needed a clerk at that time because that's what they would refer to him as, as a clerk. And I started yeah. working with her because she was supposed to get another clerk to help her to be her clerk. But nevertheless, I must gave great quality and great aspects of work ethics. And she said, well, won't you just go ahead and fill out your application too? I said, oh, okay. I thought I was just helping you until you find someone. So that's how I ended up in, in the courthouse system of work of government, Daphne. Wow. That is so awesome. What, where did you get your uh, go to to get your law degree? Well, one thing about that's a, that's another question a lot of people ask me. When the population mm-hmm. Under twenty five thousand, and we was under the twenty five thousand marker. Anything over twenty five thousand, you have to have a law degree. With the grandfather in law of under twenty five thousand dollars, I mean twenty five thousand of the population, which Hancock population was no more than ten, eleven, twelve thousand during that time. You don't have to have a law degree, but what you have to do. Uh, she had the probate court office. She was the probate judge. So that was traffic, vital records, uh, superintendent of elections, and probate and 1013s. So judging them, she had her college degree under education because, as I stated, she was once a teacher. But right. when she ran for the election in 1969, she became the first black probate judge. 
And I was one of her clerks that came well for August, August the 28th of 1980 is when I started working with Judge Wow. I know that had to be exciting, especially, you know, at that time because it was, you know, just starting to be accepted, you know, uh, for uh, black people to be able to experience black excellence and get into positions um, uh, where uh, they could be seen and heard. So I know that was like just probably a really big thing um, for the um, city of Sparta. Uh, I grew up in the town um, next to Sparta. So they always, when we were teenagers, was our rival school with basketball. Uh, We didn't play them in football, but um, so it was always that rivalry with uh, Bowen County and Hancock County uh, for years and years. So uh, I I know how uh, it is celebrated uh, that way um, and how we lift up our our leaders and different things like that. So, and it's it's so wonderful to be among uh, places that, that have um, positive leaders, you know, in place uh, to be able to, you know, carry on and, and do things. Yes. And, and she what, was, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm, you go ahead. No. She was one of the great leaders of Hancock County and several others that was under her umbrella. So when Judge Ingram did 34 years before she re- retired, 2004 is when she retired in January 2004, and I was the interim probate judge until the election came up in August, and I ran for this uh, position. I did have opposition for independent candidate. Of course, I did win the seat, over a 1,000-plus votes. And I was Hancock County probate judge after following a heavy leader like that. And she passed wow. that baton over to me. I had to just take off running because I was at what, high yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You know, when you have big shoes to fill, and, you know, in small towns, everybody knows everybody and everybody mm-hmm. is looking at you. <laughs> of things so that, you know. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, coming from, you know, a small town, everyone knows, you know, either if they don't know you personally, they know your family, they know your grandmama, your granddaddy, you know, so it's always where um, somebody knows you and people are looking. So that that is amazing that you were able to train up under her and learn you know, and even to further your leadership skills, you know, to be able to, you know, take over a position like that, you know. Um, And I'm sure with you, it was an honor as well. It was a big honor because not only was she my mentor, she was my sister in Christ, she was mother role model figure. And the thing of it is with Judge Ingram, the things I learned, it, it, it was so, she was dynamic. She was a teacher, and I was one of the ones that was always willing to learn. I was always eager to learn, and I was always one of the ones that caught on real quick. So when she would teach me and was training me and showing me, she not only did that, but she would take me along with her to the training classes to get her hours. Because one thing about working in the probate court office, even just 
not just being elected into it, but being that probate judge, you do have to get your hours in every area of your department which you handle. And you have to have 12 hours in every area. So that was 12 hours of probate, 12 hours of superintendent of elections to be certified, to be able to carry out your duties, vital records. So we just didn't just serve and was public servants to the citizens and whomever needed service in the community and out of the community, whoever came into, into the courthouse and needed help. But we was there to give our sole attention to much-needed people because Hancock County is a small town. It's considered predominantly mm-hmm. the poorest county in Georgia, which I don't mm-hmm. know if that's to be factual because I know there are other smaller counties smaller than Hancock County. But at the same time, they want to declare that because we are the dominant black county. But in the, at right, the same right. time, being in that county, you have to have a passion to do yeah. and help all types of people at any time. It wasn't just the figure of just being to say the statue of cabinet title and saying, I'm elected official or I'm a probate judge. We had a passion for helping people. Right, and when anyone right. came into that office, we gave the top quality service that we could give to help them because there are so many people that did not understand how to read, how to write. They couldn't sign a name. So if you could not sign your name, you had to, like, make an X and put his mark or her mark. The roots is very deep in Hancock County, and I have a passion for Hancock County. Even though I wasn't born and raised there, but I put 34 years into the government body office. I did 24 with the room, and I did 10 years on the bench myself before I stepped out and resigned. Wow. And when I stepped out... Mm-hmm. You go ahead. You head right in the direction I was going. I'm going to flow with you tonight because I'm a flower. And when yeah. God speaks, I have to So yeah. you just tell me to slow down because I'm, right now I'm in full gear because mm-hmm. I was pretty let down today, but um, I'm coming back up on another level of a high because I can feel my yeah. prayer warriors and my angels out there praying for yeah. me. But at yeah. the same time, I am one of the ones after sitting on the bench for 10 years, and one thing I used to do, let me just say this, every time before any type of hearing that I had, I always would say my prayers before I would step up on that bench, before I would go into any type of hearing, election hearing, traffic hearing, probate court hearing, I said a prayer to God. I didn't take my power or my statute. And, and being a judge is a high power now. Yeah. I did not use it to hurt anybody, but I did everything possible to help as much as I could help in any way that I could help. But one thing I will always do, because I took that on a very serious note, because when you take that oath and you're standing up and you're getting your oath every four years, those are very serious, deep, long words that you have to take. And with that being said, Anyone that ever came before me, whether it was traffic court, whether it was probate court, 
whether it was somebody's mother, father, son, daughter, that I had to do a 1013 on, that I had to send away to an institute to get some type of treatment for alcohol, drugs, or whatever it might have been. I always would put myself in their shoes and would always say, that could be me. Mm-hmm. That could be me on the other side of the fence. So mm-hmm. I always had that passion of wanting to treat people the way I wanted to be treated. But at the same time, I'm not going to judge that person because just right. because they want to do this right now, I could be going through it myself later on down the line. Right, right. And I uh, had attended a church service uh, one time uh, when, I, when I was away uh, at the camp, and the pastor there, you know, said to us that day, he was like, you, he said, you all are no different from me. He said, the only difference is things I've done, I just got, didn't get caught, is basically what right. he said. And so he was telling us, you know, to make sure we keep our heads up and, and, and know that, you know, everybody makes mistakes, but you have to give people chance to make their mistakes and then they pay for their mistakes and then let them move on. Because I think that's what happens a lot, in my opinion, in this society, mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. people do things and they get sentenced and they do pay their time. They go away, they pay their time. And it's so hard for them to reestablish when they come back uh, because they're labeled. You know, I know some states now have banned the box, you know, on applications, but with the way the world is now, and we have so much access to information instantly, it's hard for a person even to keep themselves private. You know, if you're trying to move on and you've got a state that's banned the box where they don't do a background check or whatever, you know, you still have those HR people or somebody else that's in the in the facilities that are going on the Internet, try to do Internet searches on you and, and, and still try to dig in your background. And, you know, a lot of people get disqualified even in jobs that will say, you know, well, we'll consider your background depending on your experience and uh, what we have available. And that's that's not true. A lot of companies do not live up to that. And I had that experience happen to me where they had let me start a job. I had start working, uh, was happy uh, doing things, and um, then I was um, – set up with a Zoom meeting, and, you know, I'm thinking, you know what, I must be really be doing good because the president want to talk to me, you know. And right. I get into the meeting, you know, in my mind, I'm just thinking, hey, they finna put me in another position because, you know, I'm tearing this up. And it was to let me go, you know. And right. it was right. just based on, oh, somebody had went and did a search. And what I was doing at the time had nothing to do with my crime, Um what, you know, I previously did for work, it was totally unrelated, but I was disqualified due to what I had on my background. And, right. um, you know, a lot, of, like I said, a lot of places say, oh, we'll accept you. It's just, you know, depending on what it is. And um, I found in talking to people um, that a lot of people, you know, get rejected that way. But now, 
I am glad that I got rejected from that job because if I hadn't, I would have had a show going and I would probably be so busy in the computer uh, and stuff uh, with that job. I would have time to do the things that are important. And, you know, God showed me my purpose and my purpose, like you say, is to help people. I am a servant. Uh, yeah. I'm serving. I've been a servant. Um, you know, even being a nurse, I was a servant for 27 years. So that's all mm-hmm. I know is how to care for people. So I get mm-hmm. what you're saying. In being a judge, you know, you're pretty much in held to that high standard, um, and we take care of people. You know, exactly. so I, I understand. Yes. Yes. Well, you know, being held in that high standard, I went through a lot. Uh, my started shortly after I went in office. Uh, I was like uh, superintendent of elections, so I stayed in in and out of court because I was always being accused of something that I did not do, but I was always the lady that could stand her course. And whatever you accused me of, I was never the type of person that I'm going to point fingers and say, Mary, Joe, John, Sue did I'm going to be that woman and say, if me, who you want, if you say I did it, prove it. I went through several court hearings. I had two trials. I had GBI investigation in 2005. I beat that hands down. But my biggest, you know, every, every time you, I was jumping hurdles, every time I'm thinking I'm, I'm passing one hurdle and thinking it's going to be a peaceful, peaceful day or a peaceful week, I hear I go to work. Here's about woo. I'm surrounded by about twenty GBI agents. Wow! Did it take that for just a woman like me? I'm just a woman now. Really? <laughs> what have I done now? Get in the office? Oh, we have a warrant, a search warrant. We're not here to arrest you. Now they always made that clear. We're not here to arrest mm-hmm. you, but we need to seize documents. Okay, fine. Once I read this um, search warrant, then whatever it is that you want, you can get because you know. Let me tell you one thing about me. When they would come at me, I got feisty. One thing I wasn't mm-hmm. going to do, I'm not going to break in front of anybody of any standard of statute. My thing, when I break and I cry, I'm going to be in my car or my house and you're not going to see me. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I stood my grounds as a woman. After going through that, passing through all that, passing through all them hearings up there at the Capitol, the captain should have known my name real good. They should have known <laughs> Judge Marvin Rice's name so well. To, it, it was just something about my name, just calling my name and turn around. I mean, seriously, they were down at the courthouse, coming down uh, and investigating with the guns on their side. I'm sitting there on the bench. I'm waiting for them to come because I said, I'm going to wait for them on the bench. They come in the door. We're looking for Judge Marvin Rice. Well, here I am. What have I done now? Well, they say we get, we have a phone call. You did this, you did. But what really broke, put the icing on the cake and broke the camera back. In 2012, here I am going to work, getting ready for my traffic court. My son with me. I get turned into the courthouse to park. I say, wow, they must have a lot of courts going on today besides mine because this courthouse is running over with cars. Never paid attention to them. I pulled wow. up. Judge, your office is being raided. Raided? Raided for what? The feds is in your office. What? Wow. I get out of my office. I said, um, I'm the judge. I'm Judge Marvin. You looking for me? And that's just the way I said it. I said, here I am. 
They said, well, we have a warrant to cease documents. I said, okay, tell me the purpose of it. What have I done? What is this all about, this crime? Well, we have a warrant. I understood that, but you didn't answer my question yet. Mm-hmm. What is the purpose and the reason why you're here? That's what I want to know. Uh, the agent stood and he looked at me. And he said, well, I'm just following orders out of my, from my boss out of Atlanta. I said, okay, fine, not a problem. Let me read it first before I sign anything. Read it. And, you know, they, they are very feisty. They are very hard. Mm-hmm. They are very nasty. They try to be very intimidating. But I'm, I'm one of the ones who just can't intimidate that easy. I just, it just does something. To make a long story short, we went through that. And in all honesty, the only way they only knew who I was, they had to pull up my website just to get a picture of me, of my face, to even know who wow. I was. And when they was attacking my two clerks, I, I politely said to, you know, get up off my clerks, leave them alone. I'm here now. If it's me who you want, it's me who you deal with. I'm having traffic court that morning, believe me or not. And this is the honest to God truth. And I said, well, I'm having traffic court today. What do y'all would like for me to do? Would you like for me to cancel it? They say, no, you can go ahead and go forward with your traffic court. We just need to see documents. I said, oh, no, 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 no. Y'all going to see documents. Do you think I'm going to go upstairs and sit on the bench and y'all raid my office? I tell you what, I had one of my clerks to call the attorney and have them to cover my court while I stood there and let them take everything they wanted to take. All kind of news means was that. Now, on that particular case, I was 40 deep with agents. They was taping off the courthouse, taping off my office. You would have thought I murdered someone, killed someone. And I kept that hurt over my head from September 2012 up until October 2014 is when I had my first pre-hearing. Never been in trouble a day in my life, 53 years old, record squeaky clean, not even a driving violation. I had federal judge. Well, of course I had to get me a federal attorney. Got the best federal attorney in the state of Georgia, out of Atlanta, Georgia. I went broke, but it was worth every penny of it, okay? Because what they was trying to do to me, because I never thought I would have been standing in front of a situation of dealing with something like this. I was, like, totally blindsided. All I can say, I thank God I knew God before then, but I must say I got closer to God going through this. Because half the stuff I went through, I don't even remember half of it. I'll be honest with you. Mm -hmm. It's like I blacked out. I functioned Mm -hmm. every day. Went to work every day, single parent, raising my son, everything I ever taught my son to watch and be careful about and don't get in any kind of trouble, to his mama being chopped down with something that I don't even still knew the full capacity of. Right. Right. Never did handcuff. Went to my hearing. Then I had my sentencing date. February the 12th of 2015 is the day I would never forget when my family, my friends, my pastor, all different ones were still with me in the courtroom. I lost my attorney, and they gave me my sentencing date. And when the judge, 
gave me my sentencing date, and I will not call his name. Mm-hmm. I just stood there. That's all I could do. And I always used to say, but at the pro- going through the process of going through that hearing, of that sentencing hearing that day, all I could think of in the back of my mind, wow, I always used to have this thought. I could be one of them parents on the other side and the judge is sitting and making a decision over my life. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what happened to me. Gave me my sentence, my sentence for 16 months, which was 21 months, which I did 16 months of it. Went downstairs and did my last thumbprint. Sent me home. I did sign my own bond. Came home for 67 days. And there's where we met Daphne and I. We was down there in Mariana, Florida. The day I got to there, the day I got there, April the 6th, 2015, I know all the dates like it was yesterday. (laughs) When I stepped out the car, a friend of mine, he took me. I said, Lord, all my rights, get ready to go out the door now. Because when I walk through this door, everything I had going on is over now. I'm on their side of the track now. When I say that is a most devastating experience I ever experienced. And you know the sad part about it, Daphne, that really bothers me even more so? Once you go through or you serve your time and you give what you're supposed to do back to what you they say you did, because that was a setup situation, but that's a story mm-hmm. for another time. And just because I wouldn't talk, because, see, I'm not the snitch girl, okay? I told mm-hmm. you I'm the girl that was staying. And I would stand, if you say I did it, I did it, because I am not going to involve other people that I did not want to dearly have hurt, that I could have hurt some other people now. I right. really could have hurt right. But I didn't. I said, right. whatever it is that they want to do, let them do it to me. All I ask God to do is just hold me and walk me through this, because it was very mm-hmm. painful. I was bitter, mm-hmm. I was hurt, I was angry, and yes, I wanted to do some damage to some people. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep it one But you know the thing that really, 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 really just tears me up about this, and it still irks my soul sometimes. Because when you're being judged, and when you're mm-hmm. filling out job applications, and you have that question asked, have you ever been convicted of a felony? And you have to check off yes. And then I'm being the honest person that i always been, and I'm steady trying to sit there. Look, let me not waste your time, not waste my time, but I don't care what you read about me on the Internet. Yes, if you Google my name, you're going to see all kinds of stuff about Marvelin Rice. But the stuff you read on the Internet, that's what they say. I did not do that. Amen. I know Amen. the story. God knows the story. My family mm-hmm. knew the story. Now, if it was something I did, I would tell anyone exactly. and everyone, because I'm that kind of a woman. Mm-hmm. I did this, y'all. I'm going to have to go away, and I'm going to have to take this trip, because I call it vacation. Because one thing I don't like to do, I don't like the term prison, because that's a slavery mentality. My ancestors already fought for me, and I don't like the word inmate, because that's a 
word they put in the dictionary and they gave their own meaning to it. But you know what mm-hmm. hurts even more? You're steady defending yourself throughout the months, throughout the years. I don't care how long it's been, what time it's been. You have so many doors closed in your face. You're about to get a job. You go on the Internet. You do a search. Oh, we can't hire her because of this or that. I tried to rebuild my resume and take jobs because I was charged with embezzlement. Now, the term embezzlement that I thought was embezzlement is money when you from the money here and there. Now, I ain't never mm-hmm. from no money here and there, okay? That was my charge, right. embezzlement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I didn't embezzle money. But they say it I did. Right. So if you say right. I did, okay, it's on my record now, okay? So I have to live mm-hmm. with it. But it hurts. Mm-hmm. And you know the most thing that hurt about it? Because, okay, I went and became assistant manager at retail. Didn't know what I was getting into, but I did it. I took on the challenge. I had to live. I had to survive. Because, yes, what mm-hmm. you do, you end up hitting rock bottom, see? You hit yeah. rock bottom when you go through stuff like that. No, I didn't lose anything that I had. My family took care of all my affairs. My power attorneys, they took care of everything, my assets behind. But I spent all what I had saved to try to get myself started, get ready for retirement. Because, see, I'm getting older. Mm-hmm. By that point, I'm looking at another nine or ten more years. I'm going to be stepping down. So let me start putting a little bit aside. But nevertheless, right. You get you 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 just you, you you go through that stigmatism of you're this you're that or you you've been incarcerated. Mm-hmm. Don't even mm-hmm. know the story now. No, you just read what you saw on the internet. So now you're judging me, right? Okay, but judge. Right. Me. It's okay. I had a job that hurt so bad, and every time I think I'm healing, I say for one point because I had to restore myself. I had to restore my mind. I had to restore my soul. When I came home in 2016, I've had several doors closed in my face. I've had a couple of jobs that I took on that I did to rebuild. I think at one point in some time in life, you just get where I'm at peace, peace. Mm-hmm. I stay to myself. I do no one but family. My circle is very small. I have mm-hmm. a, my true friends that stuck by me through the thick and thin, kept my money on the book, took care of any of my outside business that they had to take care of. And since I've been home, they've been good to me. But what got me really today, I have to speak on this because mm-hmm. I was torn. I was so torn down when I got this word. I had a new job that I was taking on. I was so excited about it, not going to call names, don't do that. I was getting my feet done, see the phone call. job you had that you got yesterday within 24 hours, boom, they can't take you in the company. Okay, I get it. I understand. I was hurt. I was crying, crying out to God. God, help me. Help me. So what I'm saying tonight to anyone that's listening to me and hear my voice, yes, it's a fight. Yes, it's a struggle. 
Yes, there are some times I felt like giving up. Yes, there are some times I felt like throwing in the towel. But then, that strength of God, I hear that voice because I know my angels that are out there praying for me. Because you can't talk mm-hmm. to everybody when you're going through something, Daphne. You only can no, talk you to people that understand that. They don't. They they understand it, but they just don't understand the deep hurt, pain on it. Yes, and you always wonder if the people have still in the back of their mind did they do it or not? Because I I get that feeling sometimes where you know, even though I know with me it wasn't done, but you know, you know, people think and do what they want to. So you know. You know, I don't. I don't really. You know, I get to the point. Sometimes it bothers me, and and sometimes it doesn't. But you know, still, like you say, to be judged. Yes, you do. I can say, when I first came home in 2016, August of 2016, didn't go through any kind of counseling. My counselors, when I'm talking to my family and just telling them bits and pieces and my best friends and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I can say I'm about 95% because at one point, Daphne, I couldn't even talk about mm-hmm. it without crying. I know. I couldn't talk about I it. I know. I couldn't believe I know. this actually happened to me. Go around Mariana compound every day. I'll look up in the sky. I'm like, wow, I'm really here. I'm here. Mm-hmm. So what I did every day, I journaled. I stayed in all kind of classes just to let the time go by. But one thing I learned, I kept my my body was there, but my mind stayed home. I had my routine I did every day. And, you know, once you're going on the compound, everybody knows. The ladies know who, who what, you, what your career was. When you come right, on the compound, right. so when you come on the compound, uh, you approach. Oh, I heard you was a judge. You're a judge. Mm-hmm. I'll look at him. Am I a judge? I'm not a judge here. My name is Marvin Rice. Okay, so don't call me judge. Whatever you do. Yeah. But you're <laughs> 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 making me you think about the incident about that you told somebody that <laughs> you, you can cry about it. But that particular day, I stood up and said, and then I, when the young lady said, I heard, oh, man, that was like it just struck a nerve even harder. But see, I got, I, I had, let me tell you something, I had to take off some professional clothes. And I had to put on my, and I had to become that street girl because my thing is, there's no one going to run over me in here. But I'm going to give respect and I'm going to get respect. And that's what I did. Right. To this day, I had my moments. I cried to my family today. I even cried to you earlier. But one yeah. thing I promised you, I was going to do your talk show for you tonight yeah. because I am a person yeah. of my word, and I stand by my word. And what happened to me even today, I said, Lord, what's my next move? What you telling me? What you showing me? I said, I even tried to hide. I didn't even want people to know when I was a judge and when I was working. I used to teach my sons, you tell nobody what your mother do. You can tell her she's a janitor, she washed dishes or what have you. But they ask you what your mother do, don't tell them. Because I never boast about the power. It wasn't about right. the power. 
It was about just helping people. So I tell any parent or any loved one that have had someone to go through this or still going through it, yes, it hurt. And one thing I realized too, Daphne, your family hurt and your friends hurt just as hard as you're hurting, but they hurt in a different way. Wow. Wow. I tell you, your story is like so incredible, and we haven't even gotten to even the other meat part, and my engineers are telling me that the phone lines are lit up. So what what we're going to do is um, let the engineer um, – Give us some, give us some numbers um, uh, of the callers, and take a couple of callers. Um, sure. Right I'm now, I'm sorry, I'm deep into this. When I when I get on my roll, I'm in my no, no. This is right just now. so exciting. It is so interesting, and you know, the premise of this show is to have a platform where people from all different diverse backgrounds can tell their story and share and 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 talk. And then also, you know, from this experience, we all are able to express, well, we went through this, but, you know, we're giving back to our sisters and brothers, you know, that are still out there that need help. Um, And so for me, my purpose and mission was to be able to give a voice, you know, just one more voice, you know, in the group, you know, where we can, you know, help the ones that have gotten out already that need employment, different resources, and the ones coming up and coming out and actually training their families and, and people they'll be interacting with how to address them, how to, how to um, you know, make them feel, uh, you know, welcome back, you know, and not, not judge, you know, because exactly. believe me, we've judged ourselves enough, you know, as well. All right, ladies, you have callers, so I'm going to call out the last four digits of the phone number, and I will open the line. If you have a question or a comment for these ladies, please uh, turn down your background sounds and speak up promptly. Tell them who you are and pose your question and your or your comment, and we are going to move swiftly because the lines are lit up. So congratulations to you ladies for your conversation. <laughs> Last four digits, 6160. Last four digits, 6160. Your line is open. Hello? 6160, did you have a question or a comment? Okay, we're going to move along swiftly. Last four digits, 9448. Last four digits, 9448. Did you have a question or a comment? Okay, last four digits, 2819. Last four digits, 2819. Did you have a question or a comment? Last four digits, 1480. Last four digits, 1480. Did you have a question or a comment? Last four digits, 1303. Last four digits, 1303. Do you have a question or a comment? Hi. 
I was just calling. She's my friend, and I love her dearly. Her story is awesome. My name is Beverly, and I support her 100%. Thank you, Thank you Beverly, Beverly, for calling us. <laughs> okay. All right, thank you. My name is Beverly also. Last four digits, 5618. Last four digits, 5618. Okay, last four digits, 3769. Last four digits, 3769. Hello, my name is Gail Nunnally, and I think this is a great uh, thing y'all doing, and I want to say hello to thank mom you. and all of the ladies for Mariana. Uh, yeah. and anybody else, thank with any way I can be of any support to the ladies out here and those that's coming out, I would do everything I can. I love you, Mama. I love, love you, Gail. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Look at God. Last four digits, yes. 4481. Last four digits, 4481. Hi, good evening. My name is Demita White, and I apologize. I just got on because my Bible study was... <laughs> Our class went like 15 minutes later. But um, I do a prison ministry, so I don't even know what the show is about, but I support you all 1,000%. Um, you know, God hi, called me hi, to Mr. do this Mita. ministry. Hi, I don't know who I'm speaking with. Hi. And, and this is Daphne. And I just want to oh, let you know, Ms. Demita will be on the show coming up soon as well. So to talk about her, her prison ministry and what she has going on. But continue on. I just wanted to acknowledge that. You will be one of our oh, guests soon. Thank you. Thank you. It's, I'm just honored and, and just blessed to know everybody on here. And I love you all in Christ. And, you know, just have a blessed week. And thank you for all that you do, Daphne. You're so welcome. And thank you, too. Thank you. And now you may continue your show. All right. Um, All right. Well, Marvin, you want to tell us about about your foundation that you are working on? Well, I'm working on my foundation. It's called Two Hands Transition. I um, have the LLC license. Looking forward and working on the 501c3. I have a partner that's partnering with me, Melvin Huey. That is something that uh, he brought the idea to me, actually, when I met him three years ago here in Augusta, Georgia. And I told him, uh, what better person would be a good partner with you than I? Because one thing about it, I know both sides of it because I live both sides mm-hmm. of the world. I live on the inside in the outside and I will say this my inside and you very rarely hear this said but I never lost my integrity or my identity as to who I am what I am and what I stand for and my numbers and I had to dig this up and I told the ladies this the Sunday my last Sunday at church before I left to leave that Tuesday to come home. My numbers was 97020. But one thing I said to the young ladies at church that Sunday, don't ever let them numbers identify who you are. You know who you are. All of us are in here for one reason or another. Some of us are leaving sooner than others. But I want you to remember one thing. The day you was born, I was born on June 17, 1961, 
My name is Marva Lynn Rice, that Gabriella Rice birthed me into this world on that day. And regardless of what happened and happened to me in my life, one thing they can never do, they will never be able to take my name away from me because I will stand strong with confidence and integrity until the day I die. And I do that every day. When I walk, I walk extra high. When I talk, I talk extra hard. When I stand, I stand with authority. And that is who I am. Yes, and, you know, um, this just comes to me from the spirit. You know, I can't wait to read your book. One day I will do my book. Work. I have so many projects um, I'm trying to get to. And one thing I had a bishop friend to tell me, and I've been home, it'll be six years in August, off of probation and everything. I'm clear of all that. Uh, it takes five years to really get your life back on leverage. Well, that is the mm-hmm. honest to God truth because it mm-hmm. takes time. It takes restoring. It takes getting all of your mindsets together. And one thing about me, there's a trust factor with me because when you go through a hurt that I went through, I have a thing about trusting people. And basically, if you're not already in my circle or somebody that I know or my family, no, nah, you're not coming near me because uh, I, don't, I don't have time for it. I have peace and peace with God, and I just need all the strength that I can have from day to day just to get to where I'm trying to get to. And I haven't reached my destiny. I'm on a journey, and I'm still jumping hurdles, and I'm still running. Wow. And I do agree with you. It, it, it takes time, um, you know, even – you know, it takes time, and we have support and, you know, uh, people that love us and, you know, people that's willing to help us out. But, you know, I can imagine and I sympathize with those who come out that don't have that support system, that don't have those resources, that, that want to try to get their kids back, the ones that are having to fight custody battles to get their kids back. Um, you know, just because they went away didn't mean they weren't a good parent. You know, it's all that you say. You are who you are. You don't identify with that. That's what you did. That's not who you are. You know, those are two different things. And I think a lot of people, you know, don't realize, you know, you know, I, I was talking to someone and they're just in a major custody battle. You know, they didn't get their child taken away from them or nothing. They just, you know, put their child in trust of, you know, another family member. And now, um, you know, they're putting her through hoodles, you know, just, you know, just to try to get back on her feet. And instead of them encouraging that she's doing a good job, that, that she's being there supportive for her, her child. And, you know, just those different things, you know, those, those hours they spend criticizing, if they were to make those positive for her, her exactly. life would be not on hold right now trying to get things straight, you know, because so many exactly. people come home and they have things that hold them and they can't even get started yet, you know. That's and true. Um, that's like true. I said, that's another purpose for us being able to talk, us being able to network, us being able to get all these organizations together uh, where they are interacting with one another 
so we can right. fill the gaps in all areas. Uh, for example, with Incarcerated Mothers Matter, you know, should be able to team up with your organization to do something, and we should be able to, you know, just team up, you know, and be able to help at least combat some of these problems that, you know, people are coming out with that they need help with, um, even the ones right. that are still there that need paperwork done. Uh, exactly. I mentioned Second Chance for real in the beginning, but we really are working hard where we will become what we will be doing pro bono work. We will be doing community service. We will be providing mm -hmm. education for those that are on the inside where they can right. have some type of training that will be meaningful when they come home. So, um, you know, even with that, partnering with them, um, it's, it's so much that, that is going on and that, you know, can be done. So I'm going to okay. give you the last few minutes here. This well, the show goes so fast. <laughs> yes, it does. I, I just want to say first and foremost, Daphne, thank you for inviting me. Thank you for just being a part of this program tonight uh, this talk, on this talk show. I hope something that I have said have touched someone's heart. And I would say these last and final words, uh, my pastor, uh, Pastor Nathaniel Sneed of Macedonian Missionary Baptist Church of Sparta, Georgia, his sermon this past Sunday was, don't throw in the towel. I don't care how hard it gets, how weak it gets, how <laughs> times when you just say, I can't do it anymore, because I have been a guilty victim of it. I, I'm, I'm just an open book. I'm true and I'm sincere, but at the same time, I just need that, that moment alone just to talk to God. When I talk mm -hmm. to God, I can feel my strength coming back. Now, I'm not getting ready to go out there and do anything I wreck because I ain't trying to go back where I've been before because I didn't want to go there, but I had to. But mm -hmm. nevertheless, uh, under the circumstances, <laughs> life is good. Life is beautiful. Life is what you make it. Life has its ups. Life has it down. But if you always put God first, he didn't bring us through all that that you and I and several others all over the world, all over the nation, went through for us to stop worrying. I have to keep in my mind and constantly remind myself when I look back, and I'll say this, and I'm going to close with this. He gave me a revelation on November 26th of 2015 when I was in Mariana, Florida. God came, was a bubble, and he came to me in my room, and he told me. He took me back 20 years of my life, and he told me everything and showed me everything that I went through, that he was right there with me then. He even showed me that I had to see people for who they really were. I saw all that, too. He let me see. He took me through all my sickness. I saw that, and I saw how he brought me through all that. He showed me how I became the single parent and raised my son. I saw that, too. And he did say this in my last and final word, and he said, and I'm right here with you right now. On that day, 3 o'clock in the morning, I have it wrote down in my journal. I could have got up and shouted throughout the compound because anybody that know me know me real mm. good. I'm a praiser. But I didn't want mm. them to think I was crazy down there in Mariana and put me in some straitjackets <laughs> and going over Tallahassee. So I just stayed in my fridge. And I just cried and said, thank you, Jesus. And I knew then I could make it through that journey. Yeah. And I did. 
So thank you so much for having me on your talk show tonight. It was a I thank you so much for 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 joining us and sharing your powerful story. I look forward to you coming back and co-hosting with me um, yes, sometime um, to be able to, you know, just get more. I know it's just so much more. Every guest I've had still has so much more uh, more to share and to get out there. And, you know, I want to just thank the listeners and people who take time to um, look at us on Facebook. Um, we have our Facebook page, Incarcerated Mothers Matter, and we have our Instagram. Uh, our Instagram is Incarcerated underscore Mothers underscore Matters. Uh, I thank you all. I thank uh, all the people who share and repost uh, our uh, broadcast. Uh, we really appreciate you guys so much because it's going to take our whole family to be able to go out and help those that are in need. And I know it's one step at a time, you know, one day at a time. And yeah. it, though for those that didn't get to hear the whole program or they want to just hear it again, um, Tomorrow it will be available on Spotify. Only thing you have to do is type in incarcerated mothers and all five of our episodes will show up and you can listen to them to replay for the rest of the week until we have our guest next week. Um, oh. Next week our show will be on Tuesday instead of Thursday. So I'll be putting out the post and everything. It will be on April 12th instead of April 14th. So I look forward to talking with everyone next week. Thank you again, Ms. Marva, so much. And I appreciate you for sharing with us tonight. Thank you. Good night, Thank everyone. You. Good night. Thank you for tuning in to Incarcerated Mothers Matter, Gumble for the Soul Publications in association with Incarcerated Mothers Matter would like to invite your participation to our anthology, Incarcerated Mothers Matter 2. We are so thankful that Daphne Patterson will be an assistant to this editorial and we appreciate the support of Incarcerated Mothers Matter. So be sure to visit GumbleForTheSoulInternational.com and click on the contact button to express your interest in the anthology Incarcerated Mothers Matter 2.
Uh, can you tell me a little bit how that process went uh, with you all there being able to come home under the CARES Act? Incarcerated Mothers Matter Radio Show. We're online 24-7. You're listening to the hottest school radio station on the planet. Uh, you know, been a while. But um, I know they, you know, offered like the parenting classes and, you know, some other things that, you know, also taught you, you know, how to address different subjects, you know, to the children. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review. Get inspired Monday and Friday right here on your favorite inspirational show. And don't forget about that Friday praise break. Get inspired through encouraging words, special guests, and the inspirational moment where you, the listener, get a chance to be on air. Please be advised that this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only and is in no way a replacement for legal or medical advice. The opinions contained within are solely those of the interviewers and interviewees and should be received as so. Those seeking help or advice are encouraged to obtain professional legal and medical services.